This is the DTV Digest, the podcast that brings you news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema. And now, here's your host, Mike Parkin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DTV Digest. I'm your host, Mike Parkin, and joining me this week are Richard Halls. Hello, everybody. Stephen Lockridge. Hello, everyone. And joining us to talk about our DTV throwback this week is Sean Malloy. Hey, what's up, guys? And just to remind everyone, Sean, you run the um, I Must Break This podcast, correct? That is correct. That is yeah. correct. So yeah. our uh, the, the the first film I think that we're going to be discussing uh, lends perfectly. It's kind of the bridge between both our uh, respective shows. So thank you. Yeah. In fact, that'll be on next week's show, but never mind. Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> no, that's cool. That's cool. Okay. So the running order tonight is uh, we're going to be talking about Slumber Party Massacre, Red Snow, Stealing Chap... Notes. Did that wrong again. Slumber Party Massacre, Red Snow, Night Raiders, and Stealing Chaplin. Our short shot this week is Boglin's Return, and our DTV throwback is Get Carter, the remake with Sylvester Stallone. So without further ado, let's crack on. Our first review then is Slumber Party Massacre. Dana Devereaux has been living in her mother's shadow all of her life, but now finally she is joining her friends for a weekend camping. However, on the way, the girl's van breaks down and they find themselves having to stay the night in a lodge in the same area where Dana's mother was attacked many years ago. Surely the same thing can't happen again. Can it? Um, Okay, Steve, straight over to you for this one. Um, I, it was okay. I did have a couple of issues with it. Um, but I think what it was trying to do, you know, got it was a bit more of a woke version, shall we say, more of a feminist. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it was. I think yes. that's what it was going for. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that it was wrong to go with that, but that's what it was going for. You know, mm-hmm. the girls know what's happening and it's the you know, the blocks across the lake who are like himbos and haven't got a clue and they're the eye candy and stuff like that. And and there was a couple of decent kills in there, but I just felt it was just a little bit flat um, from what I kind of expected, to be fair. I mean, the opening five minutes I thought was quite good. Um, but you get to a point where there's about 20 minutes left and you think, hang on, where's this going to go now? Mm-hmm. But it's pretty obvious where it's going and what's going to happen, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah, I don't know, it was okay. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't amazing. It was quite middle of the road, really, for me. Okay. Uh, Rich? I liked it. Uh, the, um, this is uh, in, in this, obviously, this week's show, we're bookending it with, with remakes, both of which I've, I've never seen the original of. So the mm. Um, the original was 1982, also directed by a woman, uh, but the, uh, you know, much lower budget, more exploit. You know, typically, uh, as far as I'm aware, more you know, of the period exploitation movie kind of approach. Uh, and yeah, this one, it, what I do like that new, that's you know, new modern sort of take on it. You know, approaching a, a slasher movie. You know, it's such a well worn theme, the slasher, that they, the the way they. Uh, 
any of these filmmakers are able to come up with new angles and stuff is constant, consistently impressive for me. Uh, and I think this really stands out because of that. I've, I've, I did see a review that sort of set it up as like one of the worst films of the year. Uh, and uh, I think that was uh, uh, Wolfman's Got Nards had said that, which um, the um, a YouTuber, mm-hmm. who I do like, but mm. it's, it, I disagree. I think it's, I think I don't mind all the, you know, the guys are idiots kind of stuff. Um, I think that's kind of, you know, guy one, guy two, guy and two, whatever. I think yeah. that's quite well played. Yeah. And there's, you know, like they, they have like this pillow fight and there's a bit with the, like the shower and lingering on the, mm. the butt shots and everything, <laughs> which I was just, you know, it, uh, it, it was quite, I was just laughing. <laughs> that was actually some of the funnier stuff because it's, it's just um, a bit um, unexpected, really. You're just kind of, uh, uh, it's just not what you're, you're anticipating. And the, the the way they set up the characters and you know that they uh, that you know they go to the cabin and, and whatnot and that that it's all part of a plan uh, that you know that they've got that they've got a scheme going on and, and that I thought was you know novel bit of a foolish idea obviously hmm. but uh, and it doesn't work out very well for them but uh, it's still quite interesting and you know a sense of that they're trying to do something empowering uh, the one of the things that the uh, the review I watched did take and also take issue with was the fact that the killer from the opening sequence uh, who turns up like 30 mm. years later or whatever or 30 or 40 years later doesn't appear to have aged at all <laughs> you know it's yeah, like, true, it's yeah, like yeah. between between the bits so I guess in, in the earlier one he's supposed to be younger uh, I take it that way mm. rather mm. than the opposite, opposite way but yeah he's kind of a you know the the killer. I don't know what he was like in in the original version, but he's you know exceedingly one dimensional. You know, there's, mm. there's literally nothing to his character. He literally turns up out of nowhere with the drill, and occasionally he'll sort of say something like, "Oh, I really love you," <laughs> you know, or, or something like that. And you know, "Oh, you're my favorite," or whatever. And it's just like, um, uh, and that's all. That's all they give him. Uh, which mm. I, I thought there could have been there could have been a bit more backstory and stuff there, but. Uh, never mind. I, I I thought it was well shot, but it was made in South Africa, and really? uh, it's it's all yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, and I thought you know the, I, I mean they probably there might well be there's probably some local actors, but quite often they import um, um, American or, or Canadian actors and stuff. There was there was another one many years ago called Slash, mm. which had mm. uh, uh, Steve Railsback. Oh yeah, and in it, and, yeah. and, and an actress who was in, I think she was in the X Files or or the spin off from the X Files, the Lone Gunman, I think she was in, um, and she was the lead uh, in that, um, and that was all. I think that was set in America, but but um, but shot in South, South Africa. So yeah, the, and uh, I think it's uh, it all comes across. I mean, it's all remote locations and stuff. So there's stuff. There's no real sort of big issues in terms of geographical you know identifying features or you know buildings and stuff like you know if it was shot in a you know in a city and you can clearly see Mm. it's a very different city or Mm. something but the um yeah i thought i was good production values good kills Uh, i like the cast um can't really ask much more from a slasher movie i don't think yeah i agree um I, i really enjoyed this so so this is directed by um uh, Danishka Esterhazy, uh, who did the Banana Splits movie that we covered 
possibly about two years ago now, I think. Mm, yeah, from what? Yeah, that that was really good. You know, very very interesting and unexpected surprise. Um, an interesting sort of twist on the whole banana splits thing. Um, yeah, I think there was a lot riding on this. You know, because it's a remake of a known sort of slasher. Um, but I think it does a great job of subverting, you know, some, yeah, some of the tropes word, yeah. um, with, with the the whole, you know, shifting the male gaze. Yeah. Um, for for definite, I thought that works really well. I think uh, it's known, but I think it's the title that's known. It's, I think so. Well, and and yeah. the cover and 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 the DVD cover or the video cover, mm. which has the women at the feet of this guy who's got the the big drill. You know, it's it's very much like the Scorpions. Um, um, album cover for Animal Magnetism. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah. that sort of like misogynistic kind of thing. Um, I, th I think you're right about the villain in that he's, you know, he's not developed yeah. particularly well. Um, but you know, it seems like you know the the, um, the petrol station, you know, the gas station. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just yeah. one of those sort of classic things. In fact, when we're watching. Um, uh, the puppet killer last week is one of the things they were talking about in that is like, oh, yeah. I, hope, I hope we don't have to stop off and there's going to be somebody telling us we're all doomed and all that sort of stuff. You know? um, but I, I loved the idea that these girls were, you know, they, they make it look like, oh no, our van's broken down. We're going to have to spend the night at this lodge, which we weren't <laughs> expecting. You know, that was their plan all along. I like that. Um, I like the subversion of the, the, the blokes um you know it, that that reminded me of um um uh, Tucker and Dale yeah that's yeah. Um, yeah yeah that sort of thing uh, cuz they get the total wrong idea you know cuz he, he um sort of, yeah, that was it, the, the hunky guy with the glasses you know he's supposed mm. to be the really smart one yeah. he's supposed to, he, he's supposed to be the some mousy, mousy bookish one because he's wearing glasses but he's actually the hunkiest one out of the lot <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean it's that sort of thing it's like well if only he took over his glasses he'd be handsome you know um how, how many times have you seen that sort of trope used for like the final girl and all the rest of it um so yeah no i i, I must admit I, I thoroughly enjoyed this so i'm, I'm really happy with it uh, if it, if anything apart from the sort of one note villain I, I think it may be just a bit too long for its own good because as, as you say steve it gets to a point where you sort of like hey and then you look down and you think yeah. shit it's still got 20 minutes to go <laughs> yeah what the yeah. hell um but yeah no i enjoyed i enjoyed all that stuff so yeah they worked really well for me the writer of this was suzanne kelly who did mm -hmm. um she's got quite an extensive um film uh, you know, series of projects. She did Warrior Nun. Oh, yes. I love Warrior Nun. Ash mm. versus Evil Dead. She's worked on. Yeah. And Leprechaun Returns, which I also which we liked. which we did. Yeah, we really liked that, didn't we? I mean, even though I'd not seen the original, um, I, I thought you know I thought that was a lot of fun. So yeah, yeah no, cool. I mean, you know, for for, for my money, um, excuse me, uh, Danishka Esterhaus is one of these. You know, she, she's a director to keep an eye on, as far as I'm concerned. I'm very, very interested in any sort of project she's got coming up. Um, is this is this her only her second film? Or has she done no, she's done others, and she's done other stuff in between this and Banana Splits. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, that, that's the those are the ones I've seen. Um, I think I think she did a sort of real crime 
sort of like, you know, um, drama documentary kind of thing mm-hmm. in between. Oh, We're in above it. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, a film called Level Sixteen, which I think is on Netflix. I think I've I think I've spotted that, and it's sort of caught my mm. eye. I might might have to give that a go. Yeah. Mm. Oh, t- she's got twenty four credits. Wow. So she's done a lot. She's done a lot, a lot more than I yeah. realised. Yeah, done so, a lot yeah, of shorts. Lot of shorts well. Several several features. Say so Level Sixteen, she did before the banana, banana splits, and uh, yeah, she's got. Um, yeah, she moves between sort of TV and, and features and stuff. Mm. Yeah, really interesting. Yeah. To, yeah, definitely interested to see what she does next because I, I too, I was a bit late to the Banana Splits party, I think, but the uh, mm. I think it was uh, it was an interesting uh, take on it. I mean, I for my money, I think it's, you know, people would probably be familiar with the um, Nicolas Cage, Wally's Wonderland. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or Willy's Wonderland mm. film, but I think, Banana Splits took, mm. did, did the same concept but did it better. Yeah, I think. So. I mean, it's ridiculous, completely ridiculous, <laughs> completely stupid film. But uh, it's it's an it's very entertaining watch. Absolutely. As is this. Yeah. So scores on the doors, Steve. I'll give it a six. And Rich. I will give it a seven. Yeah, I'm going to join you on a seven. So it's two sevens and a six for Slumber Party Massacre. Go check it out. Our next review is Red Snow. A few days before Christmas, struggling writer Olivia Romo Romo, is attempting to redraft her vampire romance novel after yet another publisher's rejection. In the midst of the night, a bat flies into her window, but soon reveals itself to be an actual vampire called Luke. Um, Canadian production, this one, guys. I, I must admit, I thought this was quite interesting overall. But Steve, what did you make of Red Snow? Yeah, it was okay. It kind of reminded me of uh, what was that other one? Was it Rose, the love story? Oh, kind yeah. Of like yeah, that yeah. Kind mm. of vibe. You know, two people obviously. in a cabin, two people in a house. Yeah. Yeah. One's a vampire. Same thing. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was okay. It wasn't anything new particularly it just you know she's like a a twilight writer in, in in a way and it kind of give off that young adult vibe you know for, you know kind of falling in love and blah 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 and stuff like that and then you know his mates turn up and it all goes to shit kind of thing but it was okay it was a little bit slow in the middle not much really happening apart from her going buying some blood and I like the I like the fact that it, that she had no male clothes and so she's just mm. like wearing a dress all the way through <laughs> stuff like that. I thought that was quite good. Mm. Um, performances were okay. Vernon Wells turning up a bit over the top as usual, you know. Um, and the other male vampire, he he was pretty superfluous. Really, nothing to do. Mm. He was again a bit of eye candy, and that that was about it. But, Decent gore in it, though. Um, you know, especially when the three vampires attacked and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, and I like the ending. I thought the ending was quite good. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, you know, the last shot. But it was a little bit flat, to be fair. Um, but not terrible. It was, you know, mm-hmm. it was okay. Rich? Uh, this is my, I think my... The first festive horror movie I've watched this <laughs> this year. 
uh, usually trying yeah, to fit for you in. Uh, poor Christmas. Uh, it's it's very low budget. You can tell that from from the start. Um, yeah. But it's I, I wouldn't say it's micro budget, but it's probably like borderline. You know, they did, they see they didn't have a huge amount of money to work with. You compare it to something like Werewolves Within, for example. Mm. You know, which is also mm. a sort of a low budget B movie kind of thing, but had a much much bigger budget. Um, or even and even Rose, I would say Rose had probably a bigger budget. It's got better, you know, much stronger cinematography and that. But um, this it's a, the the draw here is like, do you get on with the characters? Are you interested in the characters and their you know the conversations and stuff more than pretty much anything else? I mean, it's not there is gore, but it's not a gory film. But the what's interesting is it's got a lot of jokes in it, but I wouldn't say it's a comedy. Um, but it's not got a lot of it's not got a lot of horror, but it's it's a horror comedy. Mm. But it's not mm. it doesn't really hugely lean into either. It's 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 uh, it's it, which makes it quite unique. I think it's got a, a different kind of feel. Now, the touchstone I think for this movie, apparent to me from the beginning, is Stephen King's Misery. But it but it shifts yeah. aspects of it. It, it. it swaps them around. You know, there's the there's the writer, but in, you know in the, in misery, it's the writer who gets sort of taken hostage, and or and in this one, it's the writer not taking someone hostage, but finding themselves with a with a house guest and, mm. and sort of keeping them uh, in the other room. Now, the, the motivations and everything are all completely different. Uh, I like the fact you know it sort of sets up and she's sets up. She likes vampires. She's interested in vampires and she's a writer and stuff. But you still kind of go, hang on, what what are you doing? <laughs> you look at the first, yeah. you know, you've got this strange, you know, guy or whatever. But you know, as as you go along with it, you know, there's suspension of disbelief and that required to a, to a certain extent. And you know, it's quite fantastical. But it does, I think it does quite well. I did kind of warm to her character. I did kind of become quite convinced of her character uh, as as it progressed and the the sort of journey that her character goes on. You know, how how she's so different come the you know by the end of the film. I thought was really interesting. Uh, it's it's funny because it's a little bit similar to what we were saying with um, Slumber Party Massacre. Is it, it's a film that kind of subverts the usual way these kind of thing goes, and it does it does things slightly differently. So she's, you know, she's not the sort of uh, simpering, you know, woman falling in love with the sort of handsome vampire kind of thing. Mm. It's, it's definitely, mm. you know it's definitely much it's very different to that and there's different power plays in that but the, when the gore kicks in at certain times you know it is a proper horror movie and and the tone is of a proper horror movie there's not this it's not a comedy as i say it's not a comedy but it is comical mm. um so i think it's it strikes an unusual balance uh, vernon wells as the vampire hunter doesn't get a, um doesn't get enough screen time as far as i'm concerned but it's a great little extended cameo i did like that um, and and oh, I quite like the the small supporting cast. You know, the, the, I thought that I thought it was it was I enjoyed it overall much better than I thought from the opening few minutes. I thought I was go I thought I was going to be very switched off. But I became very engaged. Sure, I I must object to the comparison between this and something like Rose or or even My Heart Won't Be Until You Tell It To, because unless uh, unlike those sort of films. It's not punishing you for liking vampires or vampire movies. Mm. Yeah, it's not, yeah. Well, this Whereas, is definitely not. It's not a dour film in any no, sense. This, no. this, you know, 
the, those sort of films sort of say, yeah, okay, well, if vampires existed, this is what it would really be like, you know, whereas this sort of embraces the whole thing, you know, the very first time we see Luke, he's a fucking bat. Yeah. <laughs> and he's a tiny, yeah. tiny bat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's hilarious. Which is brilliant. You know, having a sort of burst out of that box, I thought it was pretty cool. So, so this embraces the whole sort of vampire lore. And, and things you know and, and the, uh, what we'd know and and then sort of starts co- um cleverly sort of subverting it the yeah, thing which messing turned, with it but yeah. is it, you know it turns out that some of the messing with it is actually not yeah, messing, just you know, messing it's with actually, her or something yeah. yeah it's all over it's all over the place yeah it's like, it's like when she's wearing her uh, count orlock t-shirt from nosferatu and he's going mm. um actually you know vampires don't like that it's like you know <laughs> all that sort of stuff although it's really good um yeah, and no, I I just really enjoyed this. I, I like I even like the bits where they're sort of talking about her book. You know, he he uses that as a sort of an olive branch to sort of say, maybe if I give you some notes about your book, you know, it could help you out. You know, um, and when they're sort of talking about that, I thought that that was pretty cool. So yeah, and the bit at the end when she's like, "Is that my jumper?" <laughs> um, <laughs> as a sort of turning point, I thought that was really cool as well. Um, yeah. It's a solid little film. You know, not much money behind it, as you say. Um, even, even her house, you know, a, a lot of it is spent in the garage, mm-hmm. which is a very sort yeah. of sparse location, you know, even part of the main house. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it does, you know, look a bit threadbare at times, but I think the performances are really good. Yeah, I re- really enjoyed it. So, yeah, scores on the doors for Red Snow, Steve. I'll give it a six. Mm-hmm. And Rich? I'll give it a six as well. I'm sticking with a seven for this one. I, I really enjoyed this. So, yeah, two sixes and a seven for Red Snow. Go check it out. Our next review is Night Raiders. In a dystopian future, children are routinely rounded up and forced into military academies where they will be trained to become the killing machines of tomorrow. Niska has done a good job of keeping her own daughter safe, but when she becomes injured, her best chance of survival is to be taken. That's not to say her mother has given up on her, though, as Niska joins a resistance group intent on rescuing her. Um, interesting that this is a co-production between Canada and New Zealand. Um, that threw me a little bit in the in the final mm. credits because I'm thinking, surely this was Canadian. Um, it's to do with uh, it, it's it's a political allegory about sort of the treatment of the First Nation. Um, now, Rit, uh, sorry, yeah, Steve, we covered a film called uh, The Flood. Not too long ago, yes. Um, yeah. which, which I was very much reminded of in this, um, in in the way that sort of the, you know, the Australian sort of First Nation, the sort of Aborigines were treated, um, sort of especially around the sort of, sort of Second World War, uh, and the sort of the, um, you know, the, the the things that came into power then. Um, similarly, here we have you know an Indigenous people whose children have been ripped away from them um, to. You know, become super soldiers of the future, kind of thing. Um, so, so you know, there, there is definitely that sort of political side to this. Uh, but um, you know, did, did this grab you at all? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's well made, it's well shot, um, script's good, performance is good. It's just a little bit too dour for my taste, if you know what I mean. 
Mm. It's not something that would attract me to it, but you know, they've done a good job with it, with what they've got, and you know, it's it's okay, but it's not really my kind of film. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the brainwashing of the kids and all that kind of stuff, and how she has to give her up, I thought was actually quite heartbreaking, mm. you know, with the injury and stuff like that. The ending threw me, not threw me, but I was a bit with you know right at the end with what the kid does but again you know it's Chekhov's drone pilots (laughs) or whatever you know coming through you know mirroring the very first scene of the film so you kind of get what's coming but uh, nice seeing Amanda Plummer not seeing her for a while to be fair she looks Uh, very different yeah 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 she does now Um, but yeah no it was good like I say, very well made, very well shot, just not really my kind of thing that I would normally choose to watch, to be fair. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, all right. Uh, Rich, did you get on with this one? I've, I've gone better than some of the other sort of similar kind of movies that we've watched recently mm. um, that have been, you know, this kind of bleak future, you know, oppressive you know, a mm. New World Order, for example, the one without any dialogue. Yeah. Where, where yeah. There, was lots, there was the robots sort of hovering around or whatever. Now, clear this up for me because I wasn't quite sure. Are, are the robots tools of the state or the or are, are the robots in charge in this? Because I wasn't quite sure. I, I think no, they're right. tools of the state. Right. They are okay. tools of the state, but about halfway through, I think it's a man Plummer's character mentions that they've kind of got AI as well. Mm. Oh, okay. So they're kind of sentient as well. Yeah, or they're becoming sentient. Right, yeah, because it was kind of throwing me a bit. I wasn't sure, are we in like a rise, you know, war against the machines, Terminator-ish kind of future? I must mm. admit, I wasn't sure. For You know, I, I thought it was like alien invasion kind of stuff going yeah. on to begin with. Mm. But, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, another one that we watched was A Feral World, which also had like a... Mm-hmm. Uh, mother and well, not mother, but more like a mother figure uh, and yeah. a child and stuff. And th- that was reminded. I think I preferred that actually to this one. It it is it is well, as Steve was saying, you know, it is it is well made and that, but it is that sort of tone and whatever. I thought what what is interesting about it is that it that it is about the uh, the Cree the Cree uh, na- nation, mm. uh, the, the first nation of. Uh, of Canada or in Canada, which I don't know anything about, um, so that was quite interesting to sort of get a little get a little glimpse there and sort of you know do a little check up on oh yeah the, the you know this that they were the, the sort of the indigenous the indigenous people of of that part of North America and stuff. Uh, uh, apart from that, yeah, and, and Amanda, Plum, Amanda Plummer turning up the, the I didn't really get much more of it. I mean, it's very fairly you know quite typical of these kind of movies, especially sort of mm. as you get to the sort of the end of it, it is, you know, it, um, it's, it's, it's formulaic, you know, it's, it's routine. It's not actually mm. doing anything particularly different. Uh, the, the sort of allegorical stuff uh, is interesting, but I perhaps didn't in, engage with that as, as much as, as, as um, 
you know the more formulaic aspects of it i thought that you know there's some really strong scenes you know that, mm. that like for example when uh, they head i think she heads back to the town or something and there's a there's a virus and they start to get rounded mm. up uh and um, there's a mother actually i think it's the amanda Plummer character yeah, um, yeah. She, yeah. She, yeah. She, she sees her child you know grown up you know his child he was taken away from her and 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 tries to engage with him uh that's a really good scene and you know there's 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 nothing that's there's nothing wrong with it it's just it yeah it's just i i i, I didn't <coughs> like it as much i i can't say it's a bad film but it just wasn't for me mm-hmm. yeah yeah, this sort of whole dystopian future stuff um, is is becoming a bit rote, even as a sort of political allegory. Uh, I must admit that you know the one that I still enjoy the most is Edge of Extinction, even though that was two and a half hours long. You know, at least an hour too long for for the, that kind of film. Mm-hmm. But I thought it carried it off really well. Um, yeah, drone. You know, you know my feeling about drones. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I thought that was about. <laughs> Yeah. I was thinking of you. I was like, oh, how's it going to feel about, you know, it's not just one or two drones, it's like an army of drones. <laughs> yeah, it seemed, it seemed to sort of a bit of a sort of cheap sort of thing to, to use. Um, but yeah, some of it I, I, I did enjoy um, it with, you know, inverted commas. Uh, like the, the thing with the, the disease, you know, it was pretty obvious where, where mm. they come from, um, which was a nice touch. I, I like the scenes with the daughter in the academy. Um, it reminded yeah. me. It reminded me a lot of Hannah, actually. You know those those bits. Yeah, um, I would have kind of liked mm. more focus on her because mm. it's it's much more focused on the mother's journey. Yeah, which is it, I, I suppose that's kind of the point, isn't it? Is you're supposed mm. to go aha at the end. Yeah. Although yeah. that that there's something that happens at the end of the film, which I just went, why? why did you need to do that he didn't need to do that for the story you know uh, when you see mm-hmm. what i'm talking about um, but you know i'm not talking about what happens with the daughter as far as you know no, no. you know sort of, but there's another thing that happens yeah. Like, yeah, okay yeah yeah, you, yeah. You, yeah at the end of the film why did you need to do that it's just stupid but there you go um yeah so it, it, was, it was a nice you know it was interesting to sort of see um a different facet of canada i guess you know we don't sort of hear much about the, the you know the um the first nation as as a people and, and i think no, that's exactly. kind of the point isn't it i mean that's, mm, it's yeah. kind of with with the flood as well um a few other films i'm thinking of um there's a sort of modern western that i covered quite recently which was about um sort of the number of indigenous women that go missing every year is is ridiculously high compared to you know sort of white women or, or whatever mm-hmm. in particular states and yeah it, it goes unreported you know or for, for so much um the films like the flood that we mentioned you know that that really did make our blood boil watching that um just the indignity of it and, and the, you know of, of um seeing people being so arrogant to think they can get away with treating a whole people in in a particular way and getting away with it for so long is is absolutely ridiculous so you know good on them from what i understand as well this film um it broke numerous 
um, home box office records um, for you know fil films that do portray sort of First Nation. It did, it did incredibly well in in Canada. Um, so so yeah, no, good on them and uh, best of luck with the sort of release in the UK. So scores on the doors for Night Raiders uh, over to Steve. Um, I'll give it a six. Mm -hmm. And Rich? Yeah, I think I'm going to have to go six as well. I'm joining you on a six for this one. Um, yeah, three sixes for Night Raiders. Go check it out. Our final main review this week is Stealing Chaplin. Brothers Cal and Terry are a couple of con men running scams along the Las Vegas Strip. When some bad people come looking for the $30,000 they owe, the pair hit upon the very harebrained scheme of digging up Charlie Chaplin's coffin and holding it for ransom. Um, we complained a lot about a film called Blonde Purple last week because it was aping the style of um, Quentin Tarantino without sort of actually re understanding what Quentin Tarantino was actually achieving with his films. Um, and director Paul Tanter uh, is a director who I used to derise a lot because of his um, Downing Street Siege movie and, and um, He Who Dares, which I did not enjoy at all. But he's impressed me since with films like um, uh, Kill Ratio and Once Upon a Time in Once Upon a Time at Christmas. Um, I kind of enjoyed this, I must admit. I think it's got too many characters. And at times it's a bit confusing who's who, other than the sort of, you know, a few of the main sort of central characters. And it's sort of tying up at the end is is messy. But other than that, I I, I must admit, I kind of like this. So Steve, over to you. Yeah, I agree with you. It's it's funny, it's messy. But overall, it does kind of work, you know. Um, like I said, there's far too many characters in it. Um, if they'd have just trimmed that down a bit, I think it would have worked a, a lot better. Mm. But, I, you know, obviously the main two guys, Cal and Terry, um, they're both thick as pig shit, to be fair. They're absolutely <laughs> numpties. Um, but it works, you know. Um, some of it, like, you know, the female copper and her sister, that bit didn't really need weak, to be. It? Yeah. yeah, it was just, didn't need to be there really. I don't know mm. why. And, you know, like the guy with the van being tortured and stuff, he, he just didn't need things, things mm. like that. They could have, could have took at least 20 minutes out of it and, you know, give it a nice trim just to give, give it that better flow and, Stuff like that. even some of the scenes, you know, in, in, in their apartment where they're just getting ready for a date or whatever. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's quite funny. It does work quite well, but again, it could have been trimmed a bit. But, I mean, I, I did look into it, you know, because it does say based on a true story. Mm. It kind of is, but it isn't. Because... It happened just after he was buried, about a month after he was buried, and he's buried in Sweden or Switzerland. All right. So he's, he's nowhere near Vegas. So, you, know, <laughs> he, you know, he's just 
Weird. I don't know, plugged it out of the air or whatever, you know. <laughs> but it, it, it's it's like your fun rom. It kind of reminded me of like After Hours or something like that. But yeah. or you know more criminal elements to it. But yeah, it's it's okay. It's quite yeah. quite good fun. It's sort of um, a bit of sort of early Guy Ritchie, a bit of Lockstock. Yeah, you know, lock, Lockstock yeah. in Vegas kind of thing, isn't it? A little bit. Yeah, you know, with, with all the different characters and that. Um, Rich, you know, we we've covered a couple of Paul Tanter and Simon Phillips's films before. Yeah. So, um, how, how do you think this compared to uh, his other works? Their other works. I do. I, I I I always find Tanter's films interesting. I think this is, uh, you know, whether whether you know some of them better than others, and uh, but I think I definitely think this is one of his best, as mm. far as I'm concerned. I think there's uh, Simon Phillips has got. He's a. He, I, I always enjoy his performances. He, he pre- often plays the same kind of characters, it, it, he, especially in. I think I think he's he's toned it down a lot recently. I mean, you know, when you see things like He Who Dares and that, he was very over the top. Uh, you know, which is kind of the point for the character. But yeah. I, I always seem to link him to that sort of OTT performance for a while. Yeah, well, um, I guess he kind of the apex of that is like the once upon a time at Christmas, mm, or sort of really yeah, overblown, yeah, yeah. you know, villain kind of character. Well, that, that's the thing. I think that's the only one I've seen, and I hated it. I thought he was absolutely <laughs> dog shit in it. But this one, he's, you know, he's actually quite charming. You know, when he's on the date with the waitress, you're thinking like, well, that's not going to happen. But mm. the way he plays it, and the way you know he talks to her. So, you're like, okay, I can kind of see it, you know. Yeah, he, he is think, good in them bits. Yeah, I think he's. I do think he's charismatic and relatable. Mm. Uh, you know, and he's he's playing the, him and his bro- brother in this. You know, the British and that. I think that, that works really well. The the whole film is the banter between those guys. Mm. It, it's a it's a you yeah. know, it's a banter movie about this sort of. Thing. I mean, we've seen that loads and loads of times before. Uh, but I think it works really well. I'm, I'm, what's the name? What's his brother's name? Because I'm trying to find the actor's name in the in the. He's, he's way, his actual he, brother. It is his actual brother, but he's way down in the credits. Yeah. yeah. So On the, his brother Doug Terry, a uh, Doug, Doug playing yeah. Terry. Is it? Yeah. That's really yeah. interesting because I thought they had a great. I'd never seen him before in my life, and I was just like, mm. I, was, I, I was like, who? That's really unusual. You think? Oh, I, I thought I would recognise him. You know, he seems like a guy I should know. And mm. uh, his, he doesn't even have a picture on IMDb. But, uh, they, yeah, they, they had a good play. I guess if they're brothers in real life, you know, that's kind of where it, you know, where it's coming from. Um, the supporting cast is is good. I think the cinematography is some of the strongest I've seen in a Tanzania. It film. is, yeah, and definitely. Definitely nice, you know, very warm, uh, warm cut, you know, warm look to it and everything, which is totally uh, reflects the, the location or the setting, whether it was shot there entirely, I'm not sure, but the, there's some. Um, uh, one, some of the scenes, funnily enough, it's kind of some of the extraneous scenes, like the, like you were saying, like the torture scene, whether mm. with the van driver or whatever. I thought that scene was just looked great. I think mm. it's like one of the best shot scenes oh, in the film. Uh, yeah, it looks good. And that's got, um, I'm probably going to murder his name, Al Sapienza, playing the sort of the the, the gangster on their on their trail. The one, the one that he, looks like, um, oh. He's the one going to the diner and yeah, he, he looks like John Saxon. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, I see where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, the um, we've seen him in a few things and like mm. uh, like Money Plane, for example. <laughs> Money Plane, um, where he's like uh, he he's 
one of the bad guys on you know overseeing everything sort of saying oh ladies and gentlemen you know what, what the next game is and mm. whatever he turns up all over the place and i really like him i think he's got great presence um another actor who's done quite a few uh tanta films and, and tv work in the past is peter woodward uh, edward woodward's son mm. uh, and I didn't even recognize him. It was only like, it was like about halfway through the movie because he, he's only like sporting background almost role. And uh, it was only sort of, uh, say, uh, towards the end of that. I was like, that's Peter Woodward. I was uh, barely re- didn't recognize because mm. he's playing an American sort of uh, gangster in that. So mm. was really, I, I thought he did quite well in that role. Wayne Newton is credited at the start, yeah. but it's literally yeah. a cameo. Yeah. Uh, but it's a good cameo. I didn't yeah. mind it, but it, it, it's kind of really not necessary to and, it, and it's actually quite unbelievable as well that he would actually be uh, know him or whatever but yeah um. but i like i like that and, and in fact that, that the speech that um cal gives to the waitress you know about that story that that wayne newton told him mm-hmm. I, you know that's my favorite bit of the film I, I thought he you know that was such a really good endearing you know yeah. little little sort of story I, I thought it worked really well um, yeah, and and you know the fact that he turned up later and goes like, oh yeah, Cal, yeah, the British guy, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's got that. It does have this kind of fairy tale-ish sort of, mm. you know, a, you know, it's got that narration that runs through it, which I I don't actually think the narration works very well. I liked me. it. I I liked it. it. It took me a while to realize who was meant to be narrating. You know. Oh, I didn't get that until the end. But... Yeah, no, I figured, mm. I figured it out sort of halfway through. But um, yeah, I, I actually quite like that. Um, I just wish he had a bit more to say about what, you know, if, if his dialogue had been a bit funnier, maybe. But, uh, uh, did, yeah. Did, yeah, the um, I also want to highlight Bianca Katz as Helen, mm-hmm. uh, the the sort of love interest uh, in the movie. The, wait, the waitress, she, yeah. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. she was, I thought she was really good. She, this mm-hmm. seems to be like one, her first role or one of her first roles, but. Uh, I thought I thought she did really well, and as I say Simon Simon Phillips. The film is Simon Phillips, basically. Mm. It, you know, it's his movie. Yeah. Uh, it, it's him doing kind of what he does best. You know, he's been playing roles like this in we're both working with Tanta and and other stuff as well for Donkey's Years. Did you um, ever see? Did you ever see UFO? Was that the one with um, Jean Claude Van Damme? Jean Claude Van Damme, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, Pierce Brosnan's son, Sean. Yeah, he did. There's another one, early one. I remember it, where he was on an aeroplane and like, everyone's disappearing. Can't um, what that one was called. Down. Yeah, he's been around a bit. What Simon Phillips? Yeah. No, yeah, Simon Phillips. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think. I mean, in terms of, I mean, a lot of it's kind of weird because a lot of Tantas films, early earlier ones of that, I mm. felt like they're trying, you know, to be like mm. something else or whatever. It's like there's a some of his tea, and I, you know, if, if he's listening to it, I, I do enjoy it. It's just, um, mm. it, it does like there's the No Easy Days TV series, which really feels yeah. like it's trying to be 24, right? But it, you know, it just doesn't have the money in that to, to be able to do it. I mean, and uh, he's done so, he's done quite a lot of TV actually, Tanto, that I haven't actually had a chance to check out. He's, he's very mm. prolific. Um, but the I've always enjoyed his. I, I've enjoyed his British gangster stuff, like um, uh, the what do you call it, uh, uh, White Collar Hooligan. Uh, oh, yeah. the, the first two, not the third one. I'm afraid the third one just mm. didn't work for me. But I, and then say Simon Phillips is just such a big part of that. 
Um, and even that horror film that he did was, was like a, a saw kind of variation. It's hmm. um, with Doug Bradley uh, doing some voice work on that. It wasn't great, and it did feel like it was trying to be saw or whatever. Hmm. But I did. I've, there's interesting stuff about it. I've always enjoyed watching those films. So he's 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 kind of, in a way he's kind of one of my favourite directors to check out. But this this is a this is an in, a complete sort of left turn for him. Although there's there's familiar stuff in there. It's kind of a British gangster movie if you look at it from a hmm. from a certain aspect. But this it's this whole grave robbing sort of <laughs> thing. I think it makes it a <laughs> bit of a and you know the title and stuff. I think it's a kind of film that's. A, a bit of a hard sell because it's not a particular you know pigeon you know you can't put it as you can't say this is british gangsters or whatever you know um and stuff it's mm. it's kind of it's a, a caper that, movie though isn't it's it? a caper, you know, yeah mm. it's kind of something that needs yeah. word of mouth i think mm. and i think i would definitely i would uh, i would say it's definitely worth looking up definitely worth checking out no, absolutely yeah and it's a yeah. hundred times better than bloody blonde purple <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's for sure. Um, yeah, this this is pretty solid. Um, uh, Simon Phillips, I must admit, he's, he's grown on me over the years. If you get a chance to see Butchers, uh, I don't think that's been released in the UK yet. Uh, I'll cover it for its Canadian release. Um, he's great in that. And in fact, um, Doug's in that one as well. Um, although I didn't realise at the time. And mm-hmm. for, for that particular kind of film, um, it's, it's one of the best made I've seen. You know, it's, it's a gruesome little thing, but it's it's very well made. Well, I so. think we're going to see Simon Phillips again soon uh, in the Bruce Willis movie, Killing Field. That's right, yeah. Uh, well, also known as Survive the Game, because uh, mm. he's, uh, he's got a role in that. I don't know how big his role is, but I'm very interested to see. I'm sure it's better. I'm sure he's better than Bruce Willis. Yeah. Uh, that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and he might even be in it more than Bruce Willis. Probably will so be. We'll, we'll yeah. see. There's a shot. Hmm. Okay, guys, so scores on the doors for Stealing Chaplin. Over to Steve. I'll give it a seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And Rich? I'm going to give it an eight. Nice. Okay, I'm going to join Steve on a seven for this one. I think it's um, definitely worth checking out. Uh, two sevens and an eight for Stealing Chaplin. Go check it out. <laughs> Our short shot this week is Boglin's Return. As a young boy, Kevin befriended a little creature called a Boglin before setting it free to join its family. Now, 30 years later, Kevin and his grandma are besieged by the creatures. Um, Straight away, we know exactly what this is going for um, with the logo, which is litigiously close to that of um, Amblin Entertainment. Um, and you know there, there are definite nods to Gremlins all the way through this, um, but for the most part, quite enjoyable. Uh, this is by the same director who did. Uh, remind me of the title, Richard Cyborg. Cyborg, Deadly Machine. Deadly Machine. Yeah, the Mace Mace Brothers. Yes, that's right. Um, where were they actually from? Because this was dubbed, isn't it? It's dubbed. It's dubbed into English. Yeah, they, they're, they're French. I think they're French. French. That's right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Steve, how did he get on with Oglin's return? It's yeah, it's definitely going for like eighties vibe, isn't it? You know, mm. you've got the Walkman, the Royal Rumble on the TV, but it is it, it is just weird as fuck, really. You know, <laughs> the grandma, oh. which I thought was <laughs> was literally I thought it was a mannequin sat in a wheelchair, 
tells you moved at one point. And I was like, okay. And he's just a bit of a slob, you know, messing around the house. And and then these three creatures turn up and start, you know, causing havoc. And it is, you know, it's your gremlins. It's like your gremlins cross with Mac and me in yes, that kind of style. I was really reminded of Mac and me. I must yeah. Not in a good way. No, no. I mean, I, I, I didn't have one, but my mate had a Bogwin. And it literally, you know, they've all they just used the toy, you know. Mm. And fair enough, you know, it's it's obviously not massively budgeted, but what they've done, they they have done well. And yeah, it's just a bit bizarre in a way. Mm. You know, especially like the Hoover bit as well. You know, you're getting got like throwing Ghostbusters in there and Every eighties thing you you can at the wall, basically seeing what sticks. Yeah, I must admit, I, I was struggling to think to rem- you know cast my mind back to what a boggling actually was. And even when I saw them on screen, I'm like, no idea. It wasn't until we had the advert at the end when you see it in its box, where mm. it's like a cage. That that yeah. sort of triggered a memory. Go, oh yeah, now I remember seeing these things sort of knocking around. But um, yeah, a bit weird. Uh, Rich, um, this interesting sort of follow-up to uh, Cyborg Daily Machine, um, obviously trying to capture the, a, a different facet of the 80s zeitgeist, as it were. Um, how successful was this for you? Not very, unfortunately. I was, I was, I was quite disappointed. I've watched it twice, and it, in both, in both cases, case I watched the, the French dubbed version because they're both dubbed. They, they say they did the same with cyborg they say the french dub version and the english dub version um and in both cases i just thought it's i don't mind that it's really low budget that's that's fair enough i mean it's um and that they're using the the actual boggling toys um for the creatures it, it's just the, it was kind of the story really i was just i just felt that you know it's an 18 minute film mm. and that there's a story there. They just don't tell the story. Um, it's almost like it's they mm. they they don't really pay attention to to yeah. to any sort of narrative or development. It's kind no. of like he t- it turns up, he does there's some shtick or whatever, and then you got you know there's you know it, it's like they they sort of have segues and they go away and they show a lot of footage of the WWE and and stuff, which is fine, <laughs> yeah. but. It's like it's almost like that's filler or something. It's yeah. like the, where's the where's the crux of it? It's like it, the 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 film sort of resolves itself. You know, the, mm. the, it develops and then resolves itself too quickly. But there yeah. was there could have done something there, and it just didn't quite work for me. I think the the bits where he's like getting tooled up and you know all the re- uh, references and bits and bobs and that but it works quite well. But it, it just unfortunately mm. doesn't work. It's too, it's too slight. It's a it's 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 very. Mm. Slight, and it, I, 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 I've seen that them do a lot better, yeah. and kind of I had really high expectations for it, perhaps too much so. Um, what I did think was interesting was it, it, it is essentially, it's not like a fan film kind of thing. It's kind of officially sanctioned by the Boglins company. Uh, you know, it's, it says it, it's like in association with they've got got permission to yeah. to use the the Boglins mm. and and stuff, and uh, the because the Boglins have returned, they're back in stores. Um, the, the you know they're no, available they're... this Christmas and stuff. Uh, I think they've I think they brought them back. I, they have brought them back last year or this year. Um, after a 
I don't know when I don't know if, if they've been off shelves for many many years or whatever but I, I, I certainly yeah. remember them when I was young mm. and then suddenly seeing them coming back I was a bit surprised and they haven't changed at all as far as I can tell they're literally the same designs and uh, I think someone found a warehouse full of them I thought oh. <laughs> yeah maybe yeah there's like the little they do like the little musical cue like bit from Gremlins that Gremlins, appears a yeah. few times mm. that, but, uh, yeah there's yeah, um yeah to, to be fair, it was interesting seeing the likes of The Undertaker and Ric Flair um, 30 years younger, you know, um, than, than we're sort of used to. I think for me that the main problem with the film is the fact that the main character is so unlikable. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't you know, work. Yeah, there's no there. character development there. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's just kind it's of, they, yeah. they say, he's here's this guy who's like a man serious development yeah he's still stuck in the 80s you know slavishly so because he's still got his walkman and all the rest of it it's like well haven't you just grown up and i like like the music you know very very sort of kenny Loggins style um sort of upbeat 80s sort of synth Mm -hmm. music i thought that was quite good as well but yeah the, the you know the main characters is like i do not care what happens to you one bit yeah, yeah, basically, You're just acting like a dick the whole way through. But that's where it lost me. But um, yeah, but even so, um, it they is are very good. I mean, the Mace Brothers, I will say, they are very talented. If you, yeah. you know, don't if you watch this mm. and you don't enjoy it, don't just sort of take that. Go and see what they have. Outside. They're very good at like spoof trailers and adverts and stuff. Something mm. they do in the they they do this. There's this bit in this where they do the Yves Saint Laurent. Uh, Oh, oh yeah, that is funny. Yeah, but yeah. they but they show it like three times. Yeah, it's yeah. like again, mm. it sort of feels like it, it's it comes away from the story, mm. or you know, the lack of a development of the story to, to sort of show this thing, and then they show it again. And the, now I think the joke there is that it's called Kelon. Yeah, but mm-hmm. Kelon in in French means for men, I think. Mm. So then they just sort of spelt it out like. Kelon with a K and stuff. Yeah, I, think yeah. that, I think that's the joke. Mm-hmm. But the um, but why show it like three times? You know, I, I just wanted to see more of developing that idea of the gremlins and ghoulies and stuff. And it, they just there could have been more to. It. I think the, yeah. the trailer that because when I first watched it, it was a trailer, and I thought mm-hmm. maybe that's it. They've just done a spoof trailer, and I think that actually works better than actually the the film that's resulted. I mean, you want to see some of their really great work. Go and see Cyborg Deadly Machine because that's got so much, you know, yeah. inventiveness and production yeah. values and, and whatever. It's it's a really high quality production, free to watch on YouTube, and yeah. it's like fifty minute film. Uh, th- this is this is a, a yeah. It's it's a it's a, it's it's very slight. Go go and watch some of their other stuff. Mm-hmm. I would say. Have they announced a Deadly Cyborg two at all yet? I don't know. Not that I'm aware of. I haven't seen it. Remember, because that ended on Express Hunger, didn't it? If I remember rightly. Well, they're, they're, they're probably. It's hard to say. I mean, I haven't seen anything officially yeah. announced, but they're, 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 they're probably open to do that kind of thing, I would have thought. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, we don't score the shorts that we uh, discuss, but we do recommend you check them out. In, in this case, we recommend you sort of dig a bit deeper into uh, their back catalogue and um, take a look. But you will find a link to this in the footnotes below. Our DTV throwback this week is Get Carter. 
Casino in yes. Fulton, John Carter gets word that his brother Richie has died in a drink driving accident in Seattle. Storming back to his hometown, Carter starts to make waves as he refuses to believe his brother's death was an accident. Um, so we're in remake territory here. Uh, this is from the year 2000, uh, a remake of the 1971 classic with um, uh, Michael Caine. Uh, Stallone is really, really good here. And the cast, you know, the whole cast is superb. This got a bit of a kicking at the time, Sean. Um, care to elaborate? I love this movie. I, I'm just going to get right out of the gate and say it. I have always adored this movie. Um, th- this is this is for me personally. This is um, Sylvester Stallone. This for me. <laughs> I want to stress this for me because I know that I'm in the minority to the general public. This is top five Sylvester Stallone for me, without a doubt. Um, I've, I've I remember seeing this movie opening night back in October of 2000. Um, and I come back to it usually about once every couple of years, and. It's like I said, I, I can go on about this film. The um, the reasons why I think it is um, so, so awesome, you know, compared to everything else that he has done. But what's interesting is, yeah, like you said, Mike, this uh, this film um, got a kicking when it first came out. It's continued to get a kicking. I think a lot of people, even hardcore Stallone fans, seem to put this as one of his worst. So I guess if you guys did not like it, I, I'd be interested to to hear why, because um, I have I have nothing but positive things to say about this, but it just seems to get trashed <clears> by so many. Um, so I'd be interested to hear if you guys did not like it, why? So then that way I can uh, fire back with some retorts. <laughs> Steve, let's, jo- let's start with you. Um, ha- like or not? Nope. <laughs> oh, why not? <laughs> I just, I thought it was very muddled. The actual plot was just, all over the place, you know. He, it, there's no real impetus into why he thinks his brother is being killed, and it's not an accident. You know, he's someone says, "Oh, he never drank." His daughter says he never drank, and everyone else is saying, "Well, yeah, he did." And then he's got some girl on the side, and that's kind of the impetus to him to look into it. It just seems very, very weak. I mean, Sloan is okay in it. He, he. He doesn't give off the normal charisma that I think he gives off in this. I think he's very subdued and very... I'm, very, I'm going to be like, Sean, I'm going to disagree on that point, but no, let's fine, keep going, fine. keep going. But, I mean, <laughs> it's like when we watched the... Um, the one Collection. the other week with Tom Berenger. Yeah. yeah. Collection. You know, he's got that... that suaveness about him that he's giving off. And this, he just seems... Well, I'm just going to try and act gritty and be miserable and, and not do anything. I, I don't know. It just didn't grab me at all. And um, Alan Cummings as well. I know I'm liking He got me tits in this. He really was annoying character. I see. I'm with you on that one, Steve. Yeah. He looked, he looked, <laughs> yeah. I, I thought it was Paul Rubens at first, you know, sort of from Pete Rubens' yeah. Big Adventure. But, yeah. And then, like, you know, the bit with Nice, it just came out of nowhere, uh, you know, the disc and all that kind of stuff. He, I, I, I just didn't get on with it. I really didn't. Mm. Uh, Rich, obviously you, you disagree with Steve. Uh, well, on some, you know, some things and some things not. Uh, I, I saw this 
Um, this took a long time to get a, a UK release. I think it was, from, from what I look on the BBFC, it was originally intended as a cinema release, but mm. for, for, for one reason or another, it didn't happen. Uh, I ended up first seeing it on an imported video CD. And, I, I, you know, it wasn't what I wanted from Stallone at that time. Uh, and I think it's probably, I don't think it's Stallone's fault necessarily it's as sort of the, the overall film. Uh, and I'm coming back and watching it again because uh, I, I did see it a few times back then, but I haven't seen it for a long time. I I, I see it with different eyes, but I do still some see some of the same things. But I understand a bit more why I don't like them. I think it's more. I think uh, I'm I'm say looking at it again. I think I see much more strengths in Stone's performance and his character and how cool he looks in that in those suits. I'm put any of my favorite action heroes in a, a really smart suit. You know, I'm, I, I love that because I like Steven Seagal, my hero. You know, uh, you know, not necessarily off screen, <laughs> but uh, you know, on screen hero. Uh, you know, he always had, often was uh, dressing in really smart suits, and it's nice to see Stallone in some great suit. You know, shirts and t- you know, ties and everything. Uh, he looks great. Uh, and there's a there's a whole bit in the story where they you know they sort of say why are you dressing like that and stuff, and he sort of kind of addresses that he's trying to, you know, he tries to be, he's dressing to sort of turn trying to turn things around. He doesn't want to be um, a thug and, and stuff, mm. but he's you know he's kind of still there. But the, I thought that was quite good. He, you know, Stallone always, as we saw with co- uh, Collection, and as we've seen in Rocky and all these sorts of things, he's a guy who loves to give a speech in a movie, which I've never really picked up on before. But he has this rooftop speech that he gives to Rachel Lee Cook's character, which I think is really it's a really strong scene. I think he he does really well with it. He is a he went in the right fit in the right given with the right material and stuff you know he might be a bit of a one note dramatic actor but he is a good dramatic actor um the what i don't like about i'll, I'll talk about some other aspects but what i don't like about the film necessarily is the, the aesthetic of it and the choices that were made uh it's 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 a slow burn it's not an action movie they have put some action into it it's, there's a few bit moments of action uh you know like two car chases elevator fight scene stuff like that but it's it, it is much more of a drama uh with a with a sort of a thriller element but then the director's you know it's it's over edited at times it's very slowly paced but then it's over oh god all the avid yeah. farts and stuff that he puts in you know whoosh 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 and and you know jump cuts and stuff unnecessarily which just didn't yeah. really work for me you've got a po- yeah it's like it can't finish a scene it goes like, like the scene in the diner with, with, with Rachel Lee Cook. It's like four scenes cut into one. Yeah. Well, you know, I had like the opening of the film. Yeah. You know, so I like at the funeral and everything, a lot of it feels like incomplete scenes that have been sort of yeah. patchworked together. Um, other bits work much better. Now, I've, I've, I've focused on, moved to focusing on some of the performances and stuff. I love Mickey Rourke in this. He gets quite a, he, he gets several mm. scenes with Stallone. Uh, and he's really good. I mean, he's perfectly cast, and you know, we we see him play variations on that same character to this day. But yeah. the, uh, you know, into uh, what was that one we watched? I can't remember what it was. We watched a while ago with um, uh, take take down. Oh, take take, take, take back, take down, take back, take, take back. Yeah, yeah. Was it. yeah. So he was really good. Rachel Lee Cook is is great. Um, Ronan Mitra's in there as well. Uh, Miranda Richardson, you know, Queenie yeah, from Black Adam. Mm, so John C. McGinley, 
overdoing it in my view i thought you know mm. oh there's another yeah. example of the jump cuts that don't take care of the business or the business take care of you and they edit it like that really annoying sort of over editing on that on that bit that he does mm. which which uh, jarred with me alan cumming is just terribly annoying uh you know i i i don't mind him in some stuff but you know like in golden eye he's one of the reasons i don't go back and watch that film very much um but uh, you know he's, uh, michael kane is being michael kane which is great um and what's it i th i could have oh gretchen moll is the sort mm -hmm. of the girlfriend character which uh, you, we don't really see her much anymore but for a moment she's uncredited she's, too yeah. she's uncredited in the film which is now, really is tom sizemore the guy Yes. That is Tom Sizemore, and he's yeah. also uncredited. Yeah, because so he's got a very I, distinctive voice, and I was thinking, that mm, must be yeah. Tom Sizemore. Mm, and yeah. I couldn't see him credited. But yeah, um, Gretchen Moll, absolutely gorgeous, perfectly as a gangster's mole in this. Mm. Uh, she looks great. And one one name I did see on the credits, who's much better known now, who um, I did, even when I was watching the film, I didn't recognise him. Johnny Strong yeah. is in there as as uh, one of the one of the bad guys. Which is, which is interesting, because... You know, he, he he very much picks and chooses his roles. He 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 doesn't look at his um, acting career as being his, you know, his, his main throughput, as it were. He, apparently, he's sort of really into sort of like designing knives and things like this, uh, and uh, and and also his sort of music and things. So he's he's one of these sort of like, you know, raconteurs, sort of got a lot of, lot of figures and a lot of pies. So I was kind of surprised to see him in this. Um, you know, he was in things like the first Fast and Furious movie and Black Hawk Down, um, and then sort of later stuff with William Kaufman. Um, but yeah, I, I was really happy to see him pop up in this, even though he's a complete cunt in the, in the film. <laughs> now, here's a question. Here's something I want to throw it back to Sean. Um, I haven't seen the original Get Carter, and I don't know if any of you guys have, but mm -hmm. uh, Sean, Mike, I, I knew you would have done. Um, the um, but uh, Sean, had you seen the original with them? Yeah, okay. yeah, and I mean, and it's 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 a completely different animal than yeah. than this particular than this particular film. And uh, I would I would say that uh, I think we can all agree. Um, those who've seen it is uh, Michael Caine is so much meaner than uh, than Stallone is, and that's that's saying something um, mm -hmm. with this particular film. Um, you know, I, I do almost kind of wonder if maybe it was not a remake of that particular film if it was kind of its own its own animal if might have that um I, th I think it went back to the original source novel didn't it for the, yeah um yeah but rather than I, sort of being a direct remake well they sort of say that but the i mean it is uh, they they use the original jack uh, get carter theme mm. Um, yes, they do quite nice. Which well. quite nice, and I th I'm, I think that's a great example of the, they take the original theme and then they make it as the as the credits progress when they've used it on the opening credits, they modernise it. You know, Tyler Bates has has you know rejigged it, and and I thought it sounds excellent. That's one of the best bits of the. Of the I mean, it's a great theme, and mm. they've done a great thing to it. Um, but I thought, oh, it's just going to be the standard theme, and then it goes, you know, they. Um, you know, sort of does a sort of sound, and then the, you know the sort of more rock sort sort of stuff kicks in. A really, a really good take on it, I thought. But when I, you guys, the, oh, oh, sorry, no, I'm sorry. I'm the sorry. theme, the theme of Get Carter is the only thing I'm familiar with because I've, <laughs> I've still never seen the film. So I was just interested. The one thing I do pick up on, uh, which would have been from the book as well, is they didn't change the character names, which are obviously very old-fashioned names like mm. Geraldine and Doreen. 
you know, I, I, mm. I'm surprised they didn't modernize those. But I guess that's, you know, an, another aspect of trying to stay fairly safe, faithful to the to the sources. Well, you guys mentioned all of the edits and by all accounts, you guys are right. I mean, it is, it is over overly edited and um, it's uh, of its time though, isn't it? It's, it, you know, it's yeah. of its time. And yes, exactly. Mike. Yeah. And I mean, look, I've, I've talked about this before with a couple, uh, a couple buddies is that Stallone, if you look at his, uh, if you look at his entire body of work, his entire uh, filmography, it really is almost a, a fascinating mirror into his own life. Okay, because every one of his films really parallels what was going on with him personally in terms of uh, his his personal life, his career choices, etc. And, you know, what's what's so interesting about him is, look, he for all for all for all intents and purposes, we can say he's probably one of the biggest stars ever that we've that, you know, that we've ever seen. Um, but what's interesting about all of his films is he's a guy who has always insisted on maintaining complete control of the project. Okay. So if you look at a lot of his films, especially in his prime, they were directed by relative no names. I mean, if you look at a film like demolition man, that was directed by Marco Brambia, like who, mm -hmm. who is that guy? Same thing with tango and cash, the yeah. specialist, this particular mm -hmm. film was directed by Stephen Kay. And this was one of Stephen Kay's very first movies. And I think the reason for that is because when you're directing a guy like Stallone, yes, okay, yes, you may be the credited director on the film, but in the end, it's gonna, going to be Sylvester Stallone who's gonna be running the ship and calling all of the shots on set. And I remember when Stallone was on The Tonight Show promoting this film, he showed the diner scene um, with him and Rachel Lee Cook. And he said, look, I wanted to cut this scene to show all facets of the conversation. You know, he's always been a, um, you know, in addition to being an actor, he's an artist as well. And so I think he's always been one to uh, kind of toy with editing techniques and, and things of that nature. I mean, we saw what he did with the, uh, the Rocky four director's cut recently, you know what I mean? And so, yeah, I would agree. It's, it's of its time and maybe it is a little jarring to an extent, but I don't think it's any more distracting than, uh, than the original Rocky four for that matter. You know what I mean? And that was something that he also had complete control of. Um, something else I want to, I want to mention real quick. It's cause you guys mentioned is all of the characters in this film all have something to chew on. And that's something that you don't see too often in a, uh, in a, in a hundred minute movie. I mean, you think about it, every one of these characters all have their moments in this film where they can shine. Even, even Miranda Richardson, who at the, in the end, all she's playing is the widow. But even yeah. she has something. And that's, that's just something that I love about it is that every character has something and they are all delivering amazing performances. And even before, I will say, even before Sly was nominated for, uh, for Creed back in 2015, anybody who ever said that, you know, he's monosyllabic or he can't act or anything, I always said, watch the rooftop scene from Get Carter because that scene will literally, it's like a gut punch that will turn your heart. It is so heartbreaking. And when you watch that scene, you can see the pain that is in, um, that is in Sly's face as she is, as Rachel Lee Cook is recounting that. I, I'm sorry, guys, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I can keep going on, but I, I dig this movie so much. Yeah. I mean, that scene is, is very good. Um, and, and what's impressive about it is the fact that, you know, Cardo has to be, very delicate as to how he broaches the subject. He, he never, he never once says, "I watched the tape" or anything like that. I know what happened, you know. But he, mm. he, he sort of insinuates 
and sort of, you know, just prods her into the right sort of direction. And he's not even asking her to, you know, to, to, to tell him what happened. You know, but but she feels comfortable enough to to do that. So so yeah, it's it's, it's a really good emotive scene. It's interesting what you said about um, Stallone always wanting to have control, uh, um, especially with with Demolition Man. Because me and my mates at the time, we 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 put that at um, Joel Silver's feet. You know, sort of no name director sort of coming in. Thought yeah, that's Joel Silver wanting control of everything, uh, as he sort of usually does, but. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love the movie though, guys. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, I, I, and I know, I know, I'm in the, uh, I know, I'm in the minority. Um, it, it always kind of bumped me out when I saw that it got nominated for a bunch of Razzies when it came out. Yeah, like, people, people, like to, like, people like to be snarky about Stallone. I think well, the other thing is, I think you know, the, mm. the original is so is so iconic. Mm. You know, even though I haven't seen it, you know, it's one of the most iconic roles that Michael Caine mm. ever had, and you know, it, it's kind of like no remake was gonna was gonna get away unscathed you know and the fact that you took someone like Stallone who's such a different personality mm. you know such a different presence to Michael Caine and you're really Americanizing it you know I, don't, I, I think this is pretend I'd say this is a better remake I mean I haven't seen the original but I'd say it's arguably a better remake of a Michael Caine film than the Italian job was oh which, definitely which which mm. barely resembled yeah. the um the original and didn't really carry any of any of the any of what Michael Caine actually brought to it whereas I think you know this one you know Michael Caine's on board he's endorsing it he's you know he he's he worked with again another film I've never seen Escape to Victory that he did with Stone many years previously yeah so he was yeah. quite keen to you know support the project and that and I, I think that works well I think in terms of the plot and the story um it does kind of go around the houses a bit. I mean, there's kind of, he kind of gets to a point where it seems like he's got a solution and then he kind of gets um, He seems to take everyone, and, yeah, he seems to take yeah. everyone's word for, you know, yeah. face value. So and it's like, it oh, it around. wasn't me, it was that guy, go talk to him. Go, All right, I'll go talk to him. And then they sort of point back to the other guy, you know, it's like, yeah, so, so you do sort of spend a bit of time, you know, very, very slowly sort of picking up clues as he sort of goes round and round. And I wasn't massively happy with the with the resolution. I mean, in terms of, you know, what what it was, it, it just didn't, it, in terms of it, the thriller aspect of it mm. and, you know, the MacGuffin of a, mm. of a disc and all that sort of stuff. But I, I think the, I think that's kind of not the point. I mean, the point is the, the it, mm. it is like a more like an ensemble drama than either an action movie or a thriller. Although I will say the uh, the car chase, called uh, car chases, but like, um, so this is, it's a very strange thing, but it's set, it's a Christmas movie. It's set at Christmas, but only in a few scenes does yeah. that become apparent. And, yeah. and mainly this is in the action scene. So whether they will shoot in the action scene separately and uh, by that time it was Christmas, I don't know, but you got a, ch a car chase and they go for a Christmas tree lot and everything, which was really good. And then you got the elevator uh, fight scene, which Mike, I'm, I'm sure you appreciated, <laughs> which is set to um, Silent Night. <laughs> yeah. Well, they almost ruined that, didn't they, with the, with the sort of the, the editing, um, because because he's sort of picturing in his mind, isn't he, sort of how how the fight's going to go down. I like that. I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, it was alright. They they do leave things open. I mean, again, spoiler, but they do leave things open a bit. With uh, we don't we don't ever find out Mickey Rourke's fate. Hmm. You know what yeah. I mean, and, and that's something that's always kind of bugged me. But I get, yeah. I guess we yeah. can assume 
but it does go one way considering at the end before he says goodbye you could hear uh sirens in the distance so i yeah, i mean i don't know, know. Yeah, in terms of editing he's just if, especially after what he did to johnny strong you know? yeah yeah well it, that was that was gonna be my point mike yeah is in terms of editing that is one edit okay yes like we said it is a little um the, the editing is a little jarring in some moments but that is one edit that i have always loved okay mm. and shoot i'm thinking about going back and watching it now but it's the scene where um where right before he kills johnny strong um johnny strong begs him and he says please he goes don't kill me and then if you remember um jack carter stallone's character says no you killed yourself and then you look you see the look of doom Mm on um on johnny strong's face and then it immediately cuts to stallone leaving the building throwing his gloves in the dumpster and seeing the car that right there is dope i mean that is just like you don't need to see him throwing him off the building it's awesome yeah it's one of those Mm. inevitable things definitely yeah the only thing i was a bit unsure of was what michael kane was doing you know what his character how his character was actually involved because because really this is what i'm saying this is this is what kind of yeah. bugged me the whole re- resolution the way it tied up it just didn't didn't quite work for me i didn't quite put have the pieces yeah. he, he could have just stayed he could have just stayed out of it he could have just like you know let him keep the t- let him keep the disc just just keep keep his hands off it and then no one would have been any of the wiser you know but it but felt he, like a resolution you know with those two characters because of yeah. who it's they almost are like yeah it's, yeah it's one of those sort yeah. of like like yeah it's, it's it's almost like um, you know audience reaction kind of thing. You know, sort of somebody's had notes. Go, no, we we need a resolution between these two characters before we you know before we be satisfied. But yeah. So is this John Wick before John Wick? Yes. See, I hate that. Heavy. No, I I hate that bollocks. I'm sorry. Maybe it's not maybe it's not his no. John Wick, but I think it's his attempt to um play a a a pretty dirty anti-hero who doesn't play by the rules. And yeah. um so yeah, no, no, it's maybe it's not John Wick all the way, but I think yeah, I, I would say to an extent, I think it's it's Stallone's version of that. It's probably the best version we're going to get of that, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Nobody should be trying to do John Wick apart from Keanu Reeves. Um, and I shall carry that to my grave. But, <laughs> yeah, just don't do John Wick. Let John Wick be John Wick. Just leave it alone. Yeah. Do something else. Don't, don't try yeah, to but John Wick it. is a ripoff of loads of other stuff. It's not like it's original. Anyway, oh, but this I is know. a whole separate discussion. But. <laughs> anyway, we don't score the, uh, the throwbacks, but we do recommend them. Um, that's why we curate them at the end of each episode because uh, we do want you to go check these things out. Um, this one is available on IMDb TV. Um, you do have to put up with adverts. Oh, the, but, yeah. there were too too many adverts. On the yeah, there were too many. Yeah. But but to their credit, they do let a scene finish before throwing an advert at you. Um, there's one of the other channels. Uh, I can't remember which one it is. But just wind me up because yeah, the adverts would appear mid-scene, you know, and it's so bloody annoying. At least this one allows the scene to finish. Oh, here's an advert. Okay, fine. Um, you know, if I'm going to put up with adverts, that's the way to do it, I guess. But, it was good yeah. to see it turn up, though, because it's not actually got the sort of exposure on the streaming services as, mm. as most other films. So it's actually a real, it was a real surprise to see it turn up. 
Mm. So I was really glad for the chance to, to revisit. Anyway, you will find a link to the trailer um, in the footnotes below. And that's the end of this week's show. So thank you to Sean Malloy for joining me, Rich and Steve, talking about these wonderful films this evening. Uh, don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Twitter at the DTV Digest. Also, our sister show, The Short Shots, has its own Twitter page where Rich will uh, post a new link to a new uh, short film every night. So thank you for listening. Tune in next time. listening to the DTV Digest. Let us know your thoughts in the comments and tune in again next time.